day. It really will. And so if you want to be blessed, it's not even a matter of if you're at a loose end. I can't think of anything better for you to be doing on a Saturday. And they're very rare in terms of things that we put on. But um, for us to get under, you know, good ministry, have great fellowship, enjoy fantastic worship, and just be thoroughly blessed. And one thing I do want to say is it just adds to us as a church. It will just build something into us as a church. So I'd encourage you. We, we just we said that this morning and there was numbers of people, I believe, who were saying they were going to be there. And I'd encourage you to be there too. It's been a brilliant series. I've really enjoyed it. For those of you it's the first time here, you'll have no idea what I'm talking about. But we were um, back in January just talking about what we felt the Lord was saying to us in terms of a theme um, for the year. Uh, we really believe that the Lord helps us in terms of giving us some themes. And uh, this year we was looking at the whole thought of standing out and shining bright in this world. And so we undertook the, the, the series just for five weeks and talking about strangers and how we need to live as strangers. Not weird, but how we need to be different in this world. It was great to hear um, Josh and Paul address the whole issue of integrity. And uh, it's a value that needs to just be laid into the church and also needs to be part of our lives if we really are going to stand out and shine for Jesus. Phil had the unenviable task of addressing the whole issue of purity and uh, I'm glad that he took that one and not me. But it's, uh, you know, just really came at it absolutely fantastically well and we, last week we looked, looked at the whole thought of inconvenience. And so it's my joy to just wrap it up tonight and just really... And just draw it to a close. It won't be the last time you hear it because it's something that we need to just continue to live in, um, being people that stand out, stand out and shine. But I want to specifically talk about community this evening. For those of you who don't know, I mean, there's quite a few new people in uh, this, this evening or just for one or two times that you've been here. You won't know much about me at all, so uh, just excuse me if you know something about me. But if you don't, then I think it's worthy of uh, saying this as we just lay this in there's something that beats within my heart um, I want to say I love the church I get seriously frustrated when people bag the church I want to say the church is not perfect this church is not perfect by any stretch of imagination however we really are on a journey to get it right and there's people here who love Jesus and there's people here who love people and I think that makes a great combination for God to be able to work with us. So I love the church. But there's another thing that I love, and that is the community. There's something that pours out of me, that beats out of me with regards to brokenness. If you're broken here tonight, I'll come on to it. You're very welcome. You're very, very welcome. The reality is we're all broken in some shape or form. Oftentimes... We just put a veneer on it so people really don't know how broken we actually are. But most of us are broken. And this community is broken. I'm not having a pop at Mansfield because I love Mansfield. I'm a Mansfield lad by birth. But the reality is around this East Midlands M1 corridor, there's a lot of very broken communities, broken neighborhoods, broken families. Some through their fault of their own, some through no fault of their own. And I want you to know something tonight, that God's heart beats for the church and his heart beats for the community. I think that's why I have a heartbeat for the church and for the community. And so what I want to look at tonight is how that all works in with regards to arena. 
and what, that, what, what does that mean to us and what does that mean to you. I want to just take a, a text tonight and I'm not, my aim is not to go how I did this morning but, but just to mention it and then probably move on because I want to get to somewhere, somewhere else tonight. But I wonder if we could just turn in our Bibles to Luke in chapter 15. Luke in chapter 15 and verse 1. Just nudge your neighbour and just make sure that they're awake, okay? Just nudge them. Just say, are you awake? Are you, are, you, are you here? Are you on it? Are you pumping with gas? Are you ready to go? Anybody ready to go? Not literally ready to go, but anybody ready to go? Wonderful. So Luke in chapter 15 and verse 1 reads, Now the tax collectors and the notorious and especially wicked sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. I hope I don't affect anything with the microphone, but I just want to go here to just give me your attention. Because I'm enthralled by these words. Oftentimes, those who know the Bibles know that this Luke in chapter 15 is a very, very important chapter because Jesus addresses the whole issue of lostness. He addresses the issue of lostness because we all know what it feels like to own something and then lose something. Anybody know what it is to have that? You've had something and then you've lost something. Anybody ever lost a mum or a dad? Some of you are older and you love them and you've lost them and you felt the loss of that deeply. Some of you have owned something and then lost it and you frantically looked around for it and Jesus was addressing the whole issue of lostness because he knew that if he used a subject that everybody understood that he got their attention. And Jesus talks about lostness. But oftentimes, as I've read Luke 15, I've jumped over verse 1 and just wanted to get straight into the narrative of Luke 15 about lostness. The lost son, the lost coin, the lost sheep. And we miss this verse. Because this verse tells me so much about Jesus. Some of you have an impression of Jesus. I'm always intrigued when I just ask the question to people about Jesus, what they think of Jesus. Immediately they think of this kind of, you know, person who was meek and mild, who uh, wore sandals uh, and socks. Sorry if that's what you do as well. I'm not having a pop at you. But, you know, uh, uh, and robes and long hair and that's how you think Jesus is. And you just have this impression because it's all been built up in our minds wrongly. But we get an insight, a window into the kind of person that he actually was. Because it reads, as we've already said, now the tax collectors. And I've put that in brackets, and the notorious and especially wicked. Because as you look at other versions of scripture, that's what they are, it was actually meaning. It was the worst of the worst who were gathering around Jesus and they were gathering around Jesus to hear from Jesus. Here's a question. Why would irreligious people want anything to do with this religious Jesus? Because in my experience, those people who are deeply irreligious want nothing to do with those Christians. Have you ever heard that said before? I want nothing to do with those Christians. And yet here we see and read that the worst of the worst, the outcasts, those who are on the fringes of things, when they heard that Jesus was around, they gathered around him to hear from him, to hear what he had to say. I want to tell you the reason why. Because Jesus got down to the level of the common man. Jesus understood them. 
I heard somebody once say before, most people want to pastor the community without participating in the community. I want to say we need to participate in the community and then they will give us the permission to pastor the community. We get it the wrong way around. Have you got that? We've got to participate in the community before we have the right and earn the right to pastor it. And Jesus was just got on the level of people. He just got where they were at. These people were outside of things. He connected with tax collectors. If you're from the HMRC, please don't take this personally. Because I'm sure you're a very nice person. Nothing wrong with HMRC. Or did they get it wrong this week? All right, well, if you're from the HMRC, you need to sort this man out at the end, okay? He'd love to have a conversation with you. But the reality is, in the day of Jesus, the tax collectors were something completely different because they were working for the Roman government and then they were taking a slice off for themselves as well. They were classed as the worst of the worst. And then there were other people that Jesus dealt with. He dealt with publicans. He dealt with prostitutes. He dealt with, can you believe it, women. He touched children. He was involved with lepers. He was involved in people's lives that people said you shouldn't be getting involved in and you shouldn't be touching. But Jesus showed us the way to live because he engaged with those kinds of people and as a result of him engaging with them, they gathered around him and they heard from him. Now I want you to say to you tonight that when we think of community, we often think of a department. We must remove that from our minds. Community is not a department. Even though we do some incredible stuff down at our Ilkeston campus. Incredible. I was talking to somebody this afternoon. It's nothing short of miraculous what the Lord has done. I want you to, I want you to know that. If you've never been across from the Mansfield Church, come and have a look at it. I'd encourage you, we might do a bus trip. Come over and have a look at it during the week. It's incredible. But it's not a department. And some people say, well, I'll do all my community work because I'll bung a few quid into food bank or I'll bung a few quid into the factory hub. I'll bung a few quid into this and that's my community stuff. And that is not what we're talking about tonight. If you are from the church and you are class yourself as a committed Christian, then this message is for you. Because God wants to get our attention. That he wants us to stand out and shine in the community. He wants us to stand out and shine in your community. Where you live, where you work, where you operate. That is what, is what God is wanting to say to us tonight. God is wanting to, for us to carry a message in our hearts. And the kind of people that he's wanting us to engage with are people who are at the fringes of society. See, Jesus became a friend of the community of sinners. I have to say this because it's been a little bit of a bugbear of mine. But I think one of the things that we really miss the boat, the churches miss the boat, is because we've had this separation theology. That we've got to be separate. We've got to keep away from people. We've got to keep away from people. They're nasty people. The world's very nasty. I want to tell you tonight, if you are from a very broken situation, if you come from a criminal background, if you come from a broken background, and you're wanting to get your life back on track, I want to say to you, you are so welcome here tonight. You are so, so welcome. I'm glad there's four of us who believe that. You are so welcome here tonight. Because the reality is, like I said, we're all broken. We just put a veneer on, or we've got a little bit 
beyond our brokenness. We started to get a bit healed. And you'd look on and look at me and think, isn't he doing, doing well? I guess he's got a nice jacket on. He looks quite smart, I guess. Probably not as smart as this man who always wears a pair of trousers and I have a scruffy pair of jeans. Well, they're not quite scruffy, are they? They're quite nice, these jeans. What do you think, guys? Shut up, you guys. Okay. But the reality is, you peel back the layers, and we're all pretty, we're all pretty broken. And if we're going to stand out and shine in our community, we need to put a welcome sign up that says, welcome to everyone. Welcome to everyone. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. You see, what the community is looking for is for us to be different. The community doesn't want us to be the same. I love what somebody said that here. You will never influence the world whilst trying to be like it. See, there's a separation theology and then there's another theology that says, if I become like them, if I talk like them, if I act like them, if I behave like them, then they'll accept me. I want to say, you'll just become like them. There's no difference. There's no difference. There's no standards. What I honestly believe in my time of working in the community and working amongst the community is that they want boundaries. They want standards. They're wanting something to attain to. Because otherwise, what's the point? Can you remember what it was like to be outside of Christ? Those who've had a real commitment and, 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 and an experience, a transformation of Jesus. Can you remember how you lived your life? And somebody pointed you and you saw something completely different. And that was the thing that was so attractive. Jesus went to people's levels, but he stood out because he was so different. He operated in love and he welcomed everybody. But on the other side, he was completely different. And I really believe that God is calling us to stand out and not to blend in. You see, something that the community is looking for, they're wanting us to be different, to be real, to be honest, and to be pure. One of the team that posted a Twitter from the Arena Church Twitter account, I honestly thought it was a John Maxwell who's a leadership consultant in the States, but I understand it was an American president who said this. See, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And the community are looking on at us here today and are looking on at you today. You are a professing Christian and they're asking the question, what is different about you? And what is different about me? And what is attractive about you? And what is attractive about me? If I can say this, some Christians are more miserable than non-Christians. So why would I want to be a Christian? Question. Sila. That means pause for thought. It's true. I, I come across some miserable Christians. Not your, none of them are here tonight, of course. I come across some serious dysfunctional Christians. I understand when so we've, we've, got, we've got people in our congregations. I'll use the Ilkeston congregation, and she wouldn't mind me saying this, but there's a lady in our, in our church. I think she's got seven children. Debbie, she's got seven children. She came from a serious dysfunctional background. Both of her husbands died of uh, drug abuse. Very, very violent lifestyle. I mentioned this morning 
There's one of our guys in the congregation. He would go into, a, outside of Christ, he'd walk into a pub, and just by his very look, he'd empty the pub. That's the kind of bloke he was. Somebody reminded me of this uh, Lady Debbie, that there was people, literally, they would put their heads down as they're walking. She's on one side of the road, and they're on the other side. They'd keep their heads down, because if you looked at her wrong, she'd come over, you, come over to you, even if you're a six-foot-three bloke, Andy, and wallop the living daylights out of you. And she's built like that. By her own confession, she'd say something would come upon her. Something would come upon her. And you see the very difference that Jesus is wanting to make in our lives. Is he was wanting to pour in his love. He's wanting to pour in his love into our lives. And if we are not different we are not changed, if we do not live differently and act differently and talk differently, then I want to say, I don't think we're given a true representation of who Jesus is. So I want to just take you to a story just in this time that I've got. And I want to turn you to Mark in chapter 10. We're going to have it on the screen. Because I really want to spend the rest of my time just here. You've got an idea of where we're working from what the basis of my sharing tonight. But we see an interesting story. And there's some stories that I love to preach from, and this is one of them. There's some favorites of mine. And so let's read it together. It says in Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man who was called Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So he called the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I preached messages from here. And it comes to mind when I was in Croatia. I would only be probably Josh's age. And I was asked to go and lead this crusade. And um, I was with a, another pastor. And uh, I remember using this as my basis. And believing God for signs and wonders. Following the preaching of his word. And God was very faithful on over those two or three nights. And I remember preaching passionately from this story. I've used it many times since. But here we are today. On this March night. And I want to just use it in these closing moments. To just lay a foundation for some thoughts. With how we can engage our community. And how you can engage your world. So they begin to listen and take notice. But before we do that. I just want to talk to you about the background to Bartimaeus. We've all read it. But Bartimaeus was a blind beggar man. He was blind. We don't know much more about him. But certainly he was blind and he was used to begging. 
But one thing I noted about Bartimaeus was this, was his name. Now, his name wasn't Bartimaeus. Actually, his name is Timaeus. That's why it said, son of Timaeus. If we can go to verse 46, please, Lucy, that would be great. So people know where I'm going. But we see there that it says here, there were a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus. Just to help you understand, the, word, the, 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 the phrase bar means son, son of. That's all it means. But his name was actually Timaeus. And Timaeus, behind the name Timaeus, there is a meaning. And he was named on purpose. And as I began to delve in it this week and just begin to look at it a little bit more, I realized that Timaeus was named on purpose. And unfortunately, it wasn't a particularly pleasant purpose because Timaeus means to be foul. It means polluted. It means unclean. So somebody had named him son of foul, son of pollution, son of uncleanliness. It's interesting that, isn't it? Because I think our community, and certainly Mansfield, has been one that has been derided, and it's been, people have spoken quite derogatory about this community. And if you are from this town, we need to change our language. And you use that kind of language, we need to change it. I was talking about another context, even um, this week, of just a negative comment with regards to Mansfield. I want to say, I'm a Mansfield boy, I'm proud to be. I'm a Mansfield boy, I'm proud to be. There are many wrongs in Mansfield, but I want to tell you, there's many rights. And God's got a plan and a destiny and a purpose for the town of Mansfield. And for too long, people have derided it and, and been derogatory of it and have said all kinds of unkind things about it. They've said it's been foul, it's been polluted, it's been unclean. And guess what? If you hear things enough, uh, 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 enough times, you begin to believe them. You begin to believe it. Some of you are here tonight, you've had all kinds of stuff said over you. And you've begun to believe it. I was reminded of the context this morning. For every one, every discouraging word, you need 20 encouraging words. And I said this morning, boy oh boy, I need some encouraging words. Because I've had some discouraging things said over my life. Over many, many years. By so-called meaningful Christians. And here we see a man, son of Timaeus, who was living with his baggage. He was living with his stuff over his life. That he saw himself as unclean and polluted and foul. But guess what? Jesus walked into town. And he heard about Jesus. And there's two particular points that I want to pick up on. The first thing that I, I, I was just intrigued by uh, with Bartimaeus and Jesus. Because what begins to happen is Bartimaeus begins to shout out. He begins to cry out to Jesus. Let's look at verse 48, shall we? Because it says there the crowds told him to be quiet. They rebuked him and said, be quiet, shut up, put a lid on it, be quiet. Calm down. Stop getting involved. They tried to dampen his enthusiasm. But Timaeus was all the more determined. And he began to shout, Son of David, have mercy on me. I want to tell you tonight. I want to tell you tonight. There's something very, very important about what Jesus did here. Because then Jesus, in verse 49, it rolls on. And he says, Jesus stopped. And said, call him. So he called to the blind man and he said, cheer up on your feet. 
He's calling you. This is the first thing we want to engage our community. We need to understand that Bartimaeus and our community want to be heard. They want to be heard. Our community wants to be heard. Was it somebody who once said to, uh, be under, to, to be understood, you have to first understand? And I think we've been too good at just dismissing people. Oh, those terrible people. They don't know what they're talking about. If I can, let me just get down to where, where I can, because I just feel I need to just say this. Okay, those terrible drug addicts. Those terrible criminals. No, we laugh. But that's how we live our lives, if we're not careful. Those horrible people. Oh. Ooh. They go drinking. Oh. And we live our lives like this. But Jesus. Jesus stopped what he was doing and heard Bartimaeus. I honestly think this was the first time that somebody had ever listened to Bartimaeus. How many people in your world say things like, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing fine. You just put a veneer on it and walk on. you just got to get beneath it. You don't need to go too far. And just begin to ask the question and you actually find out they're not doing fine. And all they really want to do is to just sit with somebody and for someone to listen to them. Something we're saying about counselling actually, it tends to be all about listening. It's not about advice, it's just the very fact that somebody's listen, listening to you. I'm not a counsellor, as you can tell any counsellors here, you can tell straight away, you, I wouldn't want to go for him for counselling. You're probably right, you won't want to go to me as well. Okay. But all they want to do is just be heard. All young people want to do is just be heard. All people in our community want to, to, to be is be heard. That's all they want. They're looking for somebody to listen to them. And Jesus stopped what he was doing and listened to Bartimaeus. The second thing that I notice here, and quickly, is that Jesus didn't just hear him, but then he did something so significant. And he invited him to come. Verse 49, I've already read it. it says there, Jesus stopped and said, call him. So he called the blind man. Cheer upon your feet. He's calling you. There's an invitation that God brings to every one of our lives, and that is to follow him. If you're not a Christian tonight, you're on a journey to try and understand what your life means. I want to say even tonight, there's a call. There's a call that goes out from this platform. Jesus is calling you and saying, will you come and follow this Jesus? There's an invitation to every broken person, every good person, every bad person, every rich person, every poor person. There's a call that goes out across the world at this moment for people to come and follow Jesus. And Jesus did something significant for Bartimaeus. He invited him to come. And if we want to see this building and buildings filled with people, then we need to start and begin to keep inviting people to come. You may say, Christian, what do you mean? What, what, what do you mean by that? I mean inviting everyone to come. 
Nudge the neighbor next to you and say, everyone. Does he mean everyone? Everyone to come. Everyone to come. I just need to labor this. Everyone to come. Everyone means everyone. If you want to know what this church is all about, it's about everyone. You already heard in my introduction, we're not going to blend in. We're going to stand out. We have standards and we will address issues as some of you know. But Jesus invited Bartimaeus and there's a principle here for the community that we need to invite them. Now very quickly, I just love in these closing moments, something that then began to happen. As he was invited to come, let's just move to verse 50. It then goes on to say that he's, he heard the call, Bartimaeus heard the call, and he threw aside his cloak. He took off his cloak. Now, I'm not being unkind here, but he was blind. So he didn't know where he was going. But he took his coat off, cloak off and began to hear the noises where Jesus was. He was desperate to get to Jesus. He was just hearing Jesus' voice. And I want to say the community is staggering, staggering, doesn't know where it's going, and we need to give them a lead. We need to be the people that give them the lead and say, this is the way. This is the way. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. He's the one that you need to be following. And they're blind and they're groping around. But what I love about Bartimaeus was, you see, he threw off his cloak. His cloak signified his identity. Everybody knew he was a beggar because of the cloak. Everybody knew he was polluted. He was unclean. He was defiled because of his cloak. But what did he do? He threw it off. He said, I'm thrown off because I'm going to enter into a new life. The community are looking for something new, something fresh, and something different. I want to say this community, Mansfield, He's wanting to throw off the past identity, but he's just waiting to be invited. He's just waiting to be invited. Some of the guys who've heard me on the team have heard me say this. If you're from another church and you're here and you're wanting to be blessed, that's wonderful. And we really are very thankful for that. But I need you to know, Arena Church exists for those who are not yet saved. We want this church to be filled with people of filthy sinners, the most wicked. And that's going to create issues for us. But that is the heart of God. And God's desire is that none should perish. And we're looking for people who will come in their rags will come in their identity and begin to throw off their cloaks and begin to walk into a new life in Jesus Christ. It is amazing that his sight was restored, but even more amazing was the last verse. If we can just go to verse 52. Just notice what happened. Go, said Jesus, your faith is sealed you. Immediately he received his sight. We often skip over the text, but what did he then do? What did he then do? Followed Jesus along the road. I think the greatest miracle in this text was not his sight. It was his salvation. He followed Jesus along the road. Carl, there was a time when Jesus got a hold of you 
And I know you don't forget it because when you talk to me, when we chatted up there at the men's night. Yeah. Glennis, when Jesus got a hold of you, your life changed. Philip, when Jesus got a hold of you, your life changed. Andy, you're one of still of our young babies. You don't look much like a baby to me. I tell you what, you wouldn't fancy giving birth to this one, would you? Size of him. When Jesus got a hold of your life, Andy, your life was never the same. Never the same. And what Jesus has done for these guys, he wants to do for you. And he wants to do in this community. I refuse to believe that this community is dead and buried. I refuse to believe that a great church and great churches cannot be established in this town. I feel I'm speaking prophetically. There are going to be great churches that are going to be established in this town to the glory of God. Yeah. And not the merry-go-round of transfers, but new birth. People following Jesus, throwing off their cloaks of pollution and of foulness and of disappointment and of brokenness and walking into a new life in Jesus Christ. I want to finish with this story. Anybody ever heard of Tony Campolo? Tony Campolo, or Campolo, great preacher, sociologist. And uh, I read this story back in the 80s, I think it was, or early 90s. And it just came to mind as I was just preparing this, and I thought, I'm going to finish with this story. Our Phil's been at Grimsby this morning. Thank God for Grimsby. A bit fishy. Tony Campolo was in Honolulu. He gets all the good gigs. Okay, he gets all the good gigs. Phil Gustav Grimsby. And he was in Honolulu. But if anybody's ever done any international travel, you'll know that the time clocks and the time differences can really affect you. And Tony Campolo was, was there. He was landed, he was in, but he couldn't sleep and he was hungry. So about three o'clock in the morning, he began to wander the streets of Honolulu, looking for somewhere to eat. He stumbled over this greasy spoon coffee shop, cafe, thought, I'm bound to get some eggs and bacon here. But as he stepped in, he thought, I don't really think I ought to be eating the eggs and bacon because I'm not sure where they will have been cooked and how they'll have been cooked. So I think I'm safe with a donut that I can see. So he asked the guy behind the, uh, behind the counter, who we found out his name was Harry, was, he said, could I have a black coffee and a donut? And as he's just sat there at the bar area eating his... Uh, his donut and drinking his coffee. Lo and behold, nine prostitutes walk in to the, uh, to the coffee bar area. As you can imagine, they've just finished their night shift, so it's a bit raw, the language. They were dressed, as you can imagine, in the way to attract the attention of men. And as they were just talking, he just thought, I better get out of here, quick exit. But something stopped him. And as he just waited there, he then just overheard the conversation. And one of the girls, her name was Agnes. And she said, I'm 39 tomorrow. It's my birthday tomorrow. And a friend immediately turned around to her and said, well, what do you want me to do about it? Do you want me to buy you a cake? Do you want me to throw you a party? Do you want me to sing happy birthday to you? And Agnes turned around to her and said, why are you being so mean? I'm just saying, it's just my birthday tomorrow. I don't want anything from you. Why should you give me a party? In? Because I've never had a party in my whole life. So why should I have one now? 
Tony Campolo, as he heard this, this is an absolute true story. Something triggered in his heart, said, I want to get them to throw this girl a party. They went, went out, obviously, to just continue with their night shift. And he spoke to Harry and said, do they come in? He says, oh, yeah, they're in every night. He says, did you hear about a party? Yeah, 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 yeah. He says, I'd like to throw her a party. Whoa, would you? He said, I'd love to throw her a party. I'll get her a cake. No, you don't need to get her a cake. Me and my wife, and this is true. Sally calls the front back. We're making the cake. He wants, this man wants to throw this party for Agnes. So we're going to make the cake. So Campolo said, well, if you can sort the food, and I'll get the banners and balloons and confetti and everything else, and we'll have a party. So that's what they did. The following day, they planned. He gets in the coffee shop about 3 o'clock in the morning, starts setting the hall out. Unbeknown to him, Sally, Harry's wife, tells everybody, every prostitute on the street of Honolulu, that there was going to be a party for Agnes. So all the prostitutes come out in the morning. They're all there waiting, quarter past three. And lo and behold, at half past three, who walks through the door? But Agnes. She was completely blown away that somebody had taken the time and the effort to throw her a party. She began to well up. She held it together. But as they began to sing happy birthday and at the close, she completely lost it and burst into tears. Harry, who was the rough coffee shop owner, he then says, come on Agnes, you need to blow your candles out or, or I'll blow them out for you. And as she holds this cake, she then turns to Harry and says, can we not cut the cake, please? What do you mean cut it? Well, I'd just like to look at it. And he says, well, we don't need to cook it. You can, you, cut it. you can take it home with you if you want. Can I really take this cake home with me? Yeah, you can take it home. So she quietly just began to move. She says, I will be coming back. And as she walked through the door, there was a silence that fell upon the room as she went to her home. Tony Campolo was still obviously in the, in the coffee shop area with a room full of prostitutes. And he announces, I think we should pray. So at 3.30 in the morning, he begins to pray with a group of prostitutes. They begin to pray for Agnes. They begin to pray for her health and her well-being. They begins to pray for her salvation. They begins to pray the blessing of God upon her life. Harry turns to Tony at the end of the prayer and says to him, You never told me you were a preacher. What church do you belong to? And immediately Tony Campolo answered, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. Harry turns to him and says, no, you don't. There's no, such, there's no such church like that. There's no church like that. Because if there was, I'd join it. I'd join a church like that. As I close, I really, with all my heart, want to belong, and I believe I do belong to a church that is going to throw some parties at 3.30 in the morning for some prostitutes. You understand, it's not just the prophets, but some people who are broken. Some people who are bruised. Some people who are battered. This is why we exist, Arena. Arena, we exist for lost and broken people. Never let it be said of us that you don't understand what we are here for, what is our mission. We are here to reach out, to go and to grow, and to love and to serve.